0: When I asked Ingrid Bachmann how she wished the field of communication and media studies would change for better, she said that one important thing in her mind is that the field would stop treating gender as a control variable and instead treat it as a critical variable. About this and many other important topics is this new episode of El Café Latinx. What is the experience of being a Latinx or Latin American scholar in the field of communication and media studies? What are the main challenges and opportunities that come with our identities? These are the issues that we'll talk about in El Café Latinx, where some of the leading voices in the field will share their professional experiences. Hola, my name is Pablo Wojtkowski. I teach at Northwestern University, where I hold the Hamid bin Khalif al-Thani Chair in Communication. Together with Mora Matassi, Doctoral student at Northwestern and executive producer of this podcast. We invite you to discover the journeys of scholars who are at the cutting edge of creating knowledge about Latinx or Latin American communities across the Americas. These are our stories. Esas son nuestras historias. Estas son nuestras historias. Welcome to this new episode of El Café Latinx. I am truly delighted to be here with the one and only Ingrid Bachmann. Ingrid is associate professor at Pontificia Universidad, Universidad Católica in Santiago in the School of Communications. She's also former chair of the Journalism department at the same university where she has been full-time since 2012 after finishing her PhD, even though she started as a lecturer in 2002. Ingrid got her bachelor's degree in social uh, information and a professional dilemmas in journalism at Pontificia Universidad Católica, that's her alma mater. Uh, also got a master's degree in linguistics um, from Católica and then went to Texas Austin to get her PhD in journalism. His incredibly productive. She has 40 journal articles. I counted in addition to that three edited volumes, a lot of book chapters. Um, her research has gotten tremendous uh, critical acclaim, lots of awards. Uh, very prolific getting grants. Uh, Ingrid is um, very versatile methodologically, She's one of the few scholars who are equally comfortable, I would say, at least from the research output, in uh, very sophisticated quantitative methods, as she is in textual analysis or uh, ethnographic research. Um, She has a very broad uh, topical portfolio. Her research covers uh, news, technology, gender. Um, she's been one of the most um, high profile advocates for a feminist uh, turn in communication studies from the Global South. And she has been very, very active at the International Communication Association. Uh, both in divisional positions and also in uh, association-wide positions, including uh, having a very prominent role in the 2022 uh, conference next year in Paris. So, Ingrid, welcome to the Café Latinx. Oh, no,
1: welcome! Uh, nothing like I'm happy to be here.
0: Thank you so much, my friend. So, so how did this journey begin? uh for you you know how was the start of the journey that led you to become a professor
1: Uh, funny you ask because i've been thinking a lot about that this is my 20th year teaching at catholica so i've been pondering about that and it was kind of unplanned (laughs) it it just kind of happened so i had graduated i was working as a reporter at catholica but as a reporter And uh, somebody called me uh, to say that they wanted me to uh, be the instructor of record of a section of a class. I had been TA of the class for four years, which is actually quite often in in Chile that undergrads are are the teaching assistants. Um, And they told me whether I was interested. I knew the class very well. Um, Then I found out that it was actually the professor teaching the class that said Ingrid should do it. And I said, OK, I will do it. I don't know how well that speaks of católica having a recent graduate, just teaching a class out of nothing. Um, and I started teaching. And then uh, a couple of years later, I decided to pursue a master in linguistics, but it was not because I was pursuing something like I want an academic degree or something advanced, it's because I always wanted to study linguistics. Had I had the chance to do it as an undergrad, I probably would have been a double major uh but it never worked uh the classes clashed with the, the the one in journalism uh it wasn't as easy to do back in those days at catholica so i decided okay instead of doing a whole degree undergraduate degree i can do a master's uh, and i can like finally get uh, that out of the of the way and say i i have studied linguistics so i i enrolled in a linguistics program and then i realized that what i was doing in in my masters, actually, was very helpful for my classes. It gave me theories that I wasn't that uh, uh, aware of. It gave me a way of seeing problems and understanding issues with a different perspective. I actually think that I'm kind of bilingual, methodologically speaking, because of that training, and and it spurred, I will say, something in me doing that. And then when I started doing my my, my thesis, my masters this is, I realized that I really like doing research. It was fun. It was entertaining. I really wanted to to explain uh, why journalists did the things they did, the way they did it, how people understood uh, those things. And I realized that I needed to pursue a research degree, a properly research degree. And I decided to just, I'm going to do a PhD out of nothing. I mean, I just told people, I'm going to do a. PhD degree, I saw a flyer to apply for a Fulbright scholarship, I did it, I got it. And uh, a year later, I was uh, packing my bags to move to to Texas. And that's how it started. And all of that while being an instructor at Catolica. So I told the the then dean uh, at the time uh, that uh, I was going to do this. And she said, okay, but you will return. Yes, my plan is to return. I want to continue doing that. Uh, I just live for five years. And she said, okay, we can arrange something. You will be on an extended leave of absence. And that was totally unexpected, totally unplanned. Uh, I don't know what Sylvia saw in me that she made such a huge bet on me, but pretty much I never resigned from Catolica all those years. And I went uh, to Texas knowing that I have a job waiting for me back home.
0: That's very interesting. So, so I didn't know that. Okay, and that, how that sort of you think shape your experience as a student, as a graduate student? Because uh, one of the main sources of angst, shall I say, uh, for doctoral students is what will happen job wise afterwards, right? Because the academic job market, particularly for those who want an academic job, the academic job market can be quite tricky to navigate. But oh, yes. From the start, you knew that you had a place to go back to. So how how do you think in thinking about your experience as a graduate student uh, relative to that of your peers then, how do you think that sort of came into play in terms of your own process?
1: It, I mean, it helped a lot. There was, I had no anxiety about the future and all that. I knew and I, that my stay in Texas, or the States for that matter, had a, uh, had a finishing date <laughs> that I was going to be done, that I will be back. Uh, so I decided to A, uh, make the most of my experience in Texas in terms of the classes that I will have, the things that I would do, uh, also to make, I mean, to m- do as much as I could those five years that I was uh, uh, there, I took classes every single summer, for example, because I mean that was the one chance that I had. I had a scholarship, so that was covered, and 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 I didn't know when I will have the, the opportunity to do, to do that. I will be the first person to say that I am what we call in Chile a uh, "matea" person, very diligent, very bookish. Uh, so I did that, and 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 I embraced it. And when it comes to just to write in my dissertation and all that. I didn't have to worry about the job market. And I have all my friends like writing their CVs, uh, preparing for interviews. And I was like, nope, I'm just updating my references. <laughs> I'm just like working on the introduction of my dissertation. Um, and I, I do know that, uh, that it was uh, a, a very good scenario because there was no anxiety, no nothing. I mean, I had some, nostalgia, I guess uh, I was going to leave my friends behind those kind of things. But I knew I had a job waiting for me. I, I had no worries about that. And, and it made things way, way easier uh, to me in terms of just okay, be done with the PhD experience. Okay, this is the end of it. Uh, I'm done. Um, I actually decided that I wouldn't go back to Chile until I had my actual diploma with me. Because I know many people who uh, living in my kind of situation and they go back to their homes to finish their dissertation and they start working and they never finish or they take forever to complete the dissertation i didn't want that i said no once i have like a a diploma or something says you are a phd you are done and then i'm packing my things back
0: that's very interesting did you Did you ever have second thoughts about the plan while you were in the States? Did you have second thoughts about, no, never about. No, I never planned to,
1: I never planned to stay in the States or even try at most at one moment. I wanted to see whether I should try the job uh, uh, search thing just to see the experience. And then I realized it was too much work and it was unfair unfair to other candidates and unfair even to the schools that may consider me because it wasn't a, a real option for me. Uh, I, 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 mean, I had a scholarship first. I had the Fulbright, which required me to go back to Chile, but I also had a scholarship from the Chilean government, which also required me to go back to Chile. I could return the money and it wasn't that much money anyway, but it was not an option. I mean, I wanted to go back uh, to Santiago. I felt that my degree was way more useful in Chile than anywhere else. Or at least that in the States, I wanted to make a difference and I felt that I needed to do that.
0: Interesting. And then, did, did this plan also shape your dissertation topic and the way you went about it? Or you would have done, you think, the same research for the dissertation uh, if you were thinking about perhaps uh you know trying out the u.s academic market or the european academic market uh, or other places in latin america
1: i don't know i never really thought about it but i don't think so because i mean when i started the program i was convinced that i was doing something totally different that and i ended up doing my when i started in texas i was convinced that i was going to do something about uh, new sociology or about uh how journalists frame their own work kind of thing. But then it happened that everybody will talk to me about Michelle Bachelet, the first female president in Chile. And they will say stuff like, oh, that won't happen here. No, we won't have a female president here anytime soon. And I was like, seriously, <laughs> how come? And then I started to study that and then did a whole paper about that. And then uh, Hillary Clinton ran for office and I saw how they framed those situations and then ended up doing my dissertation actually about that, how the press talked about uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, bid for uh, uh, the presidency in 2008 and how they framed uh, Michelle Bachelet's uh, run for office in Chile and how they focus on women are emotional and their emotional management uh, and, and all that. And I actually think that I would have done the same, probably say for the, like a job talk or something like that. I would have focused on the Hillary Clinton part and on the Michelle Bachelet part. But I, I actually think that I would have done the exact same thing because I mean, it was something that I found so odd how people would talk about those women and and will make such a big uh, fuss about oh Hillary Clinton cried on the on the campaign. And I've seen that video gazillion times and no, she did not cry, uh, but they, how she cried and how they framed that and how Michelle Bachelet. Uh, uh, she doesn't know about politics, she's a newcomer and it doesn't really matter, I would say so. I really wanted to explore that and I became really, really invested in the topic.
0: Absolutely, and you have made very important contributions, um, not only through your scholarship, but also through your institutional work at ICA, right? So um, how have you seen, you know, both the topic per se in terms of the coverage, gender and news, and on the other hand, the scholarship about gender right in the field uh, evolved since you started doing this.
1: It has gained visibility, I will say. I remember my first few ICA presentations, for example, there will be just a few people in the room. Um, there is more visibility. There is uh, more traction. There is more research, I think. And I do think that it's more valued in terms of people actually understand that it's relevant research and that is important but probably not as much as i would like i think that it's still kind of a niche uh, topic or a niche kind of uh, area of, of, of research uh if the last five years from me too and onward has uh, shown us yes gender is relevant gender is not as obvious to everybody uh but i th- still think that most people uh, think that, oh, it's that thing that those feminist scholars uh, do. Uh, I still remember uh, one presentation in the ICA. It was a feminist scholarship uh, panel. And when we got to the Q&A session, somebody said something like, oh, I'm from the political communication division, and I want to say very interesting uh, presentations. Why did you not submit to the political communication division? Like, seriously? (laughs) Like Because of questions like those. (laughs) That's why. I haven't run into those situations uh, uh, again. Uh, I don't get the question, uh, why should I care about Chile anymore? So I think that's uh, that's an improvement. Uh, But I still think there are ways to go. Uh, uh, Global South research, either done in the Global South or about the Global South, is still seen as different, lesser than, not as relevant. but I think that I actually found a, a community in the feminist Scholarship area because they actually do know that it sucks to be a woman everywhere. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's in the first world country, is is in a remote island anywhere? Is that, uh, yes, I mean, not all women are the same, but all of the same have this uh, secondary status. And I've never gotten a question uh, the way that, oh, why should I care about Chile? Why this is relevant to this or that theory, they actually get it. And, and that's why I think that I'm so comfortable in that, uh, in, within those uh, scholars.
0: Very interesting. Now, so if one think about the history, things about the history of ICA, for instance, the communication and technology division started as a niche division. At at one point in, you know, in the past 15 or so years, it became the, the, the topic of technology became so central to the character of contemporary communication practices that now you see communications, you know, technology scholarship in almost every division. Do you think that that is a possible uh, scenario for issues having to do with gender? Do you think that gender discrimination is so pervasive that uh, and so resistant to change that uh, that is hard to imagine that there will be in 10 or 15 years a situation uh, like that right um what are your thoughts based on your experience
1: it is hard to imagine but uh it doesn't hard to, to to dream on that uh, and and we've actually been doing th- some things about that I mean we're being very vocal expressing about how feminist scholarship is relevant, how examining gender is relevant gender is not only a control variable. I would like to say it, it is a variable on itself it's a critical variable on itself, whether you look at it from a critical a positivist, a positivist or any other approach, I think it's relevant, it will take time because you're literally dealing with so many years of patriarchy and traditional understanding so it's an uphill battle but i think it's it's, it's doable it will take time and i've seen uh, progress not as much as i would like probably but i've seen progress and that's uh, actually i think is encouraging if this pandemic has shown something is how pervasive is the effect of gender on all kinds of things including for example when you have to choose who stays at home with the kids because all the schools are closed of course it's going to be the woman <laughs> why because that's what society expects
0: absolutely and unfortunately now in addition to your research and in addition to institutional contributions you know at the global level you also have had leadership position at catholica yeah. Right, leading the journalism school. You call it department, but it's really a school. What we in the states would consider to be a school. How was that process? I mean, how how was the process of getting the position, um, and how was the experience of running a school, uh, and what were your so what were the gender components of that? Right. So there are issues I have to do right with gender issues that might not have to do so centrally with gender although i probably imagine that it was a comp- an important component throughout right um so would you comment on that on, on that experience
1: um so here at, a, at our school with for the last 20 or perhaps more years we've had women in leadership position in major. i mean this is a very <laughs> i will say matriarchal school uh, oral or all of our reference uh, reference are uh, women, uh, Silvia Pellegrini, Eliana Rosa, uh, Soledad Puente, you have men too, but those are very like, I don't know, the poster people of our school, Over the history of our school are women. So leadership uh, uh, and women is not that rare here. How did I, did I became chair? There was a change of, uh, of deans in, in, in our school. We vote, the professors actually vote for the dean and the person uh, uh, who won, he gets, in this case, was a man. Um, uh, the dean, he or she uh, can't uh, name the directors of the different departments, which are actually schools, uh, but we call that department. Uh, uh, and it's uh, uh, up to them to, to do it. They have to be approved. And the election of the dean was kind of complicated. There was some tensions. and. Apparently they needed a, a consensus name. And uh, apparently I was the one, I mean, this was faculty politics pretty much. And apparently I was the name uh, that people agreed that I didn't uh, offended anybody being uh, the director. I didn't want it. I actually fought it for several months. Um, and then it came to a point that uh, we couldn't find a new director, nobody either wanted, uh, there was several issues. And then again, I say, okay, I will do it. I was an assistant professor still when I when I started, I wasn't even an associate. Uh, and one of the things is like, okay, this is gonna totally mess up my track record, I don't want it. Uh, but then again, I'm Matea. So very diligently, and very bookishly, I, I, I did it and, and I did it to the best of my uh, capabilities. But I did, uh, uh, I did uh, get the whole, okay, this is a four year uh, position and I am done after four years. Like, do not ask me to continue, do not ask me to uh, uh, have another term or anything like that, regardless of who is the next dean or whatever, like I won't do it more than uh, four years. Um, I used to joke that running a school is like running a kindergarten and that includes the professors. Uh, it's not really like that, uh, but yeah, it's, there is a lot of of, of, of little things that you never imagine. I don't know if you've watched uh, The Chair on, on Netflix, and it's yeah, not definitely. like that. That is totally an exaggeration, but I kind of recognize some of the characters. Like, yeah, you have the old professor who hasn't checked the, the student evaluations in 10 years, and you have the problematic one, but uh, I had uh, good friends. I had, I had uh, people who actually supported ADS. I tried to do a lot of unusual things. Uh, I revamped a, a, a lot of the uh, of the electives uh, because I I, I I felt they needed uh, uh, an aggiornamiento. Um, there was a lot of that, uh, but I was done. It took a lot of time and actually my research uh, took a hit uh, because of that. And they offered me to stop doing classes, to stop teaching, and I didn't want to do that. I like teaching, I love it. I think I'm a good teacher actually. And I felt that the director actually had to uh, get involved with undergrad students. And so I was spending a lot of time doing all kinds of, I mean, I hated filling all those Excel sheets and budgeting. I hated it, hated it, hated it. So when I was done, I was pretty much doing cartwheels uh, around uh, uh, my house because we were in in, 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 in lockdown, uh, but uh, uh, I actually was happy and I'm not looking forward to it to do it again. I mean, I understand it's part of, I guess, your career, it's part of what is expected uh, uh, of, of different professors, especially as you move up uh, to associate or, or full professor. Uh, I am very diligent, I understand why people would think that I'm, I'm good at it, and I'm probably I am good at it. I just don't enjoy it. Or I don't think it's as fascinating as doing research or as teaching. So I've been like, I've everybody who asked me oh will you consider a position in administration and this and that said no 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 please no 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 let me have four years of research please let me like i i was on this in that hell for four years i want this for other years let's talk in a few more years about uh, that possibility that said i'm have a hard time saying no <laughs> so who knows what will happen
0: okay now and on the Gender issue, I mean, you mentioned that there was a lot of precedent of uh, women leaders um, in your school. Um, did that, you think, made your job easier as far as gender dynamics go, or were there still, uh, oh, but could be at the same time that even though it made it easier, there were still, you know, remnants of patriarchal practices that you had to deal with?
1: No, I actually th- think that it made it uh, easier. Uh, I mean, the the, the the women faculty here in my school, I would say all of them are very strong people, strong personalities. And I don't think anybody ever questioned my authority or mansplained things to me or or things that I've, I've heard other people in other departments telling them, uh, no, that happens. Like, I don't think that a- anybody ever treated me differently because I am a woman. And, and I think that has to do with all these years uh, that we had as a history, as a school, where we we had women in, in leadership, but we respect them. And we actually understand uh, that they, I mean, their contributions are as valid as anybody else's.
0: Okay. Um, so one one interesting thing about, um, fascinating at least to me about Chile, is that it has a, a Significant number of uh, scholars, in particular, sort of young or middle aged uh, scholars, as far as generation goes, not necessarily age, um, who have been very, very productive in the global scene, which was not always the case uh, and still is not always the case in other countries of Latin America. I mean, even j- just a Catholic. Right? yourself, Magdalena Saldana, Sebastian Valenzuela, Daniel Halpern, um, Daniela Grasau, Constanza Mujica, and then you know a, a number of people in other universities, some of whom have been uh, guests uh, here, either in so uh, Santiago Valparaíso, which is not very far. Um, so I have two questions: Why do you think that's the case? You know, because Chile is not it doesn't have a huge population relative to other countries in the region, and uh, and whether there is some sort of, uh, you know, community uh, that's uh, sort of uh, sharing of resources, sharing students, uh, interuniversity conversations. How does it, how does it play out uh, in sort of daily scholarly practice?
1: It was probably a little bit of a of a. It's a mix of a fluke of a natural <laughs> evolution. Um, so, for example, in. 2000 here at Catholica, which was officially a school of communication of journalism, became a school of communication with a dean on, on itself, with different departments and all that. So it grew, and but it also it got the acknowledgement that it was a discipline on its own. Uh, it was not just. Uh, this kind of a practical thingy or technical kind of uh, instruction that that we needed, it's where it, that was when uh, professors here uh, at Catholic and, and other universities started to apply and to get grants uh, for research from uh, from the government. So it, it created this kind of scenario that was fertile ground for uh, people. Training in research, but also uh, looking forward to that, and uh, several scholarships opened up during those uh, times. Uh, I mentioned the Fulbright. Uh, There were other specific programs for uh, getting PhDs uh, in certain fields. So I think that many of us ended up doing that, and 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 especially in the states because most of of, of previous. People before me went to Spain. Pretty much, it has to do with language, or Spain or France was usually most of people were to despair of France a uh, few to Germany. In my case, I don't speak French. My German is really bad. Uh, I decided to go to the States because I felt that was where they were doing more uh, the more interesting things on what I thought I was going to study, musicology. <laughs> uh, uh, but I think that it happened that uh, a few people started going abroad, and then you start talking about, oh, do you remember? I mean. Sebastian Valenzuela and I were classmates as undergrads. I knew him. I mean, I, I'm. I mean, I knew his wife before him. Like I knew a way before him. So it's like we were friends. We were talking. Oh, did you know that he's going to study? Oh, look at that and and we were studying. You go the I same guess... year.
0: Sorry to interrupt you. Do you go the same year or
1: uh, no? Uh, we were one year apart. Uh, to uh, Texas, one year apart. But okay. uh, so that was the best welcoming uh, committee that I had in Texas, uh, two good friends uh, that, I, that, that I knew very well uh, in addition to that. So I would say that it it was a situation where it became a possibility because for most of us, it wasn't a possibility, something, something that you will think of. And universities at the time, because of... A, a, government regulations and accreditation staff started to get more uh concerned about having advanced degrees and doing research and 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 and, and doing those things and they needed the human capital to do that so it has all those situations i mean i mentioned that I wasn't an extended leave of absence for five years what kind of job will do that it's just because they knew that they needed a, a person and something like that and then i mean it was an investment in the best sense of the world uh on on training on things you could do, they, they knew me. And pretty much it was a, uh, a few years, I would say a range of 10 years where things changed dramatically in terms of uh, people with uh, PhDs doing research, access to grants uh, and universities actually uh, pursuing that and, and and moving forward. And uh, we all know each other. I mean, the ones that we actually do research in Chile, because we are not that many and, and we, we are involved in the same circles and even, I mean, we have a, a local, actually, it's this is the ten year, we created a, a local, a national uh, uh, communication research association. Um, we meet every year and, and, and we present our, our studies and we actually now have everybody's involved in somebody else's dissertation committee. Um, and we did those things, it wasn't planned. It just happened but but now we have the network we we know the people uh we want to work together we know we can work together or or collaborate i mean do collaborations and, and 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 i think that it just happened that it was the perfect time for that
0: okay and that included creating a doctoral program in communication at which did not exist by the time you went to the States or Sebastián went to the States.
1: No, 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 the, the um, program is from 2012.
0: Okay, so, so how was that process and 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 what kind of labor market there is for the graduates?
1: So um, there were no uh, uh, PhD programs in communication, journalism, or media at all in Chile uh, at that point. And even today, I think there are only three uh again that's why most people uh, will go to either europe or the states uh for uh, an advanced degree um uh, and it was uh, i will say in the case of chile it was the dean who decided okay we have a uh, uh, we have what it takes to do this to have a program to offer we have probably a lot of people who will consider this but haven't done it because of languages or distance or family reasons and, and 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 whatever and uh they developed the program it took like five years it was a very uh, thoughtful well-planned uh process and it started in 2012 by now we have if i remember correctly six or seven uh six cohorts graduated and we have uh, most of them are uh kind of older people i will say not Uh, younger i mean some of my students at the phd program are actually older than myself Um, most of them have kids mortgages uh, works uh, uh, jobs and and stuff like that but uh, most of them have were either already working as instructors somewhere else or were doing the transition between leaving the news uh, industry and wanting to move to academia that's what happened with the first uh, cohorts and uh, m- most of them uh, are working at other uh, universities. Uh, there is one that it was a very particular case that uh, ended up working. I mean, when she came, she was working from the Brazilian Senate and continued to working from the Brazilian uh, Senate up until a few uh, uh, years. Uh, but by now, it has leveled down in terms of uh, ages. I mean, we have now younger cohorts, people who want to who want to pursue uh, uh, academic interests and, But most of our graduates, I would say, they work at other universities. That's pretty much what they do and at different places. We have one that was recently hired at uh, Arizona State, another one uh, working in in Ecuador, another one in in Peru. Uh, We have people here in different uh, universities in Chile. So
0: So I was going to ask, so it's not just the national labor market, you sort of
1: I mean, right. the one that went to Arizona, he uh, he is uh, uh, he has dual citizenship, so that of is sure. that. But uh, but yeah, he decided uh, and he applied for the job there. He got it. So it's not only local. No, our students, I would say, I think right now twenty five percent of our students are, are are foreigners.
0: Okay, that's very interesting. And now speaking about sort of the link between the global and the national. What has been your experience at ICA? Not not only also, but not only as, as a speaker, a participant, you know, panelists, presenter, discussion, etc., but uh, you've held leadership positions in divisions. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you are part of a planning committee for um, you know the conference in Paris. Um, uh, does your you know, belonging to a South American country, right, um, part of the Global South and a specific part of the Global South, how has that colored your participation? Do you think you are seeing differently because of that? How 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 does that part of your identity um, sort of experience the, the global professional world? I think
1: that for some people, at least I check the diversity box <laughs> uh, like oh we need to have the global south and a woman there ingrid can feel both uh but i would say that that's probably the starting point to or to open doors to certain spaces but then uh i would like to say that people actually value me for myself uh i do think that it helps that i was uh, trained in the us uh so my circle my, 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 i mean the first few times that i went to uh ica for example i was with all my texas peers and now know my, my texas professors introducing me to other people and um, that kind of network does help i mean had I gone just out from chill i don't think I, it would have been uh, that easy or at least that comfortable uh, as it was but uh once they get to know you and most people also know my 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 other peers, I mean, they know Sebastián, Claudia Mellado, and all these other people, and and they, I mean, thank God they are actually good scholars. So it's a good representation when they say, oh yeah, another Chilean. Um, They think of them, not the, I don't know, the crappy scholar who doesn't know how to do research or something like that. Um, But I would say that that, uh, it happened. I mean, I was wary at the beginning that people will dismiss me more because uh, I'm a woman and because I'm, uh, I'm from the global south, because I'm doing research on Chile and on topics that not necessarily other people get. But in my experience, hasn't been like that. Maybe some people, but uh, over the years, I mean, there's I think there's more value on, on, on that. I still think that, I don't know, say for certain panels or certain things, people probably think of me because they need to check their diversity uh, box, but if I am the one to fill that spot, I'm happy to take it and to make the most of it.
0: And do you do you think you see the problems, the issues, the potential solutions in part differently because of where you come from and where you are, and the fact that you actually were so trained in, in in a completely different country? Um, when I say completely different countries, that there are other countries that would be closer to Chile than Mm -hmm. the States, you know, culturally, historically, etc. Do you think, um, and how, right? Do you think your positionality affects um, at the policy level even, right? I mean, uh, how you understand and interpret problems, how you prioritize them, how you think about potential solutions for ICA, for you know, the field and other professional societies as a whole.
1: Oh, I do think myself as a representative of the Global South, an ambassador of the Global South, okay. but also the one who has to take care of them. I'm the one mentioning uh, matters of, for example, cost, matters of uh, travel hours. Uh, uh, I don't know remember people complaining about oh it is so long and expensive to go to australia to me go to australia go to toronto is as expensive and, and as long of a trip i just switch directions uh 15 hours north or 15 hours uh west o sea, that's it um so it's those things um i don't know creating uh, a, for example uh something that we've been, we've been uh, working on uh, in the last few years about the instructions to the reviewers and how they should consider diversity and not say th- uh, uh, th- not, I mean, not say things about language, for example. I mean, m- several of these people, English is not their first language. That's not a problem. You will find unusual research. That's not a problem. This is not about the pros, <laughs> This is about the quality of research. And uh, the good thing is that uh, at the, uh, the, I mean, among other leaders in uh, at ICA actually. Uh, had a good response, and and I rule. I, I do like that. Um, they have actually embraced that. They are concerned about that. They understand those issues. Uh, there are things that still, to me, make noise uh, in certain levels. I don't know the the latest uh, uh, list of fellows, for example. I was like, okay, this is like ninety five percent people in the U. S are there really nobody else anybody else in the world you could consider here like I know they they have people from the global south working in the US there but still it's like when you see the list of universities is USA 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 England <laughs> that was it uh, so uh I'm very vocal about that and make noise about that. And and, and, and other people actually echo that uh, noise. And, and I like that. I actually uh, like that people uh, are responsive.
0: Excellent. So then, if you had magical powers and, and could be granted one wish about how you'd like the field of communication and media studies to change, what would you wish for?
1: This is a, such a hard question, and um, I will always, can I have more, more than one wish? The first wish, multiple wishes. You can wishes. have more than one. <laughs> multiple wishes. Um, so one's kind of practical, uh, and this is kind of like a, a dream, Is like, I will wish for everybody to get the grants they need to do research. <laughs> because I mean, times are tight, money is tight, and it's going to get uh, even harder probably in the next few years uh, for doing, uh, Research that is not necessarily seen as productive or just as relevant as in other fields. I'm just saying so Vaccines, social media, vaccines, social media. Probably there is a, a some people consider that some things are important and some other not. Um, but more overall, and this is going back to my to my own interests. I will say I would love for people to stop treating gender as a control variable. It's not a control variable. To consider gender is, is a relevant uh, issue. It's in and, and it's not about gender on itself, it's about what gender says about society. It's not about say that women are discriminated, they are, but it's about how do we understand, for example, transgender in communication research? How we frame it? How we? Why do we keep using binary concepts when talking about uh, gender? Uh, why does it matter why do i have to still explain to people that is relevant and and all those things and and, and i really wish to, to get to that point i think that there have been inroads and progress um and there are ways to go uh, so my which will be uh, will be that to make gender a critical
0: variable Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, Ingrid, it's a very, very important wish. And I hope our listeners are paying attention to that. And we can all work together towards that. Thank you very much for uh, sharing your thoughts, your experiences with us. This has been a fascinating conversation. Thank you to our listeners for staying with us to the end. And I invite everybody to tune in for the next episode of El Café Latinx. El Café Latinx is a production of the Center for Latinx Digital Media in the Department of Communication Studies at Northwestern University. I am Pablo Wojcicki, your host, and I'm joined by executive producer Mona Matassi.